my name is Joanne Murphy and I'm Chief Operating Officer at the Charter Banker Institute. Welcome to our podcast series on the future of skills and learning and banking. I'm your host today and we'll be looking at the skills and talent challenge across the financial sector. I'm delighted to be joined by my guest, Claire Tunley, CEO of the Financial Services Skills Commission. Welcome back, Claire. Hi, Joe. Nice to be with you again. Thank you, Claire. Great to have you. Some listeners might be already aware that Claire was in a previous episode of this series about 18 months ago. But for those unfamiliar with Claire's background, she's worked in skills and economic development in both local and central government roles for over 20 years. Prior to her current role, Claire was Head of Skills Policy at the City of London Corporation, leading on skills and talent policy. In this role, Claire was seconded to the Financial Services Skills Task Force as a subject matter expert on skills. This led to the creation of the Commission. Claire has also worked with Government Equalities Office to create an action-based guide on supporting women's progression in the workplace and created an innovative partnership with local schools to support students from disadvantaged backgrounds to gain a professional financial services qualification. So Claire, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. No, thank you so much for joining us today. So as I mentioned earlier, it's been 18 months since we last spoke and there's been a lot of work um, since then. So I wonder if you can just start by telling our listeners about the current skills talent challenges across the sector and what tra- key trends have emerged since we last spoke to each other. No, thanks. Thanks, Joe. Um, well, yeah, it's fast moving. Um, we work with our members who come from across the sector. Um, we hear from them the talent, the challenges they're having on, on skills and talent, sourcing the right skills and talent, um, but also use government data as well. Um, so what we've seen change over the last 18 months um, is uh, an increase in some of the skills, the future skills that firms have identified. Um, what we've previously done, which I spoke about last time, was identified a set of eight future skills um, that we've built a framework around to help firms develop skills in those areas. We've now added another five to those skills, um, including things such as creative thinking and coaching. Um, And we haven't retired any of the other ones. The firms, the data has told us and firms have confirmed that those skills were originally identified as still priorities. So um, lots of skills challenges ongoing. Um, And I think we've also seen some uh, fluctuation in terms of how firms need to source talent. It's quite high level, but but vacancy data that we get from the government um, shows that last year we actually hit a peak of 48,000 vacancies in the sector, which means that one in five vacancies, one in five jobs, sorry, was, was vacant. And that was just behind the health sector and hospitality sector in terms of vacancy ratios. We were third. That has dipped back and things have stabilised, but we still have around 35, 36,000 vacancies in the sector. I checked the stats this morning. Um, so that is a challenge. Um, and what are we hearing? They we're hearing that firms are looking not to just source talent externally, but to build talent internally. Um, and the lack of talent does have an impact on, on how they can serve their customers, how they can develop um, their digitization transformation programs. So a whole load of challenges, risk and compliance um, issues. So they are impacting on, on the business. Um, and certainly the talent challenges have not gone away in the last 18 months. So so just to sort of build on that then. So yeah, so now we've got 13 
sort of critical skills where there's gaps identified on and pressure actually in the recruitment space as a result of that and is impacted by that as well. So what really should be the current and future government priorities in the in the skills area um, for financial services? And what would you like to see happening in that space? Um, well, we talk talk with our members a lot. So um, I think take a step back and what we do a lot of work with our members on is forecasting of skills um, and encouraging and supporting our members to forecast skills. We've built a toolkit to help that forecasting. It's available on our website. Um, but what that does is give us a clear picture of what the skills are going to be needed in the future. And then you can build the pipeline of talent. Uh, what is clear for members is that there is an augmentation of skills needed. And I've spoken about this before. So it's not that people's skills and capabilities and knowledge is no longer relevant. It just needs to be um, enhanced with new understandings around data, around AI, around software engineering, around, uh, software engineering, around analytics, those kind of capabilities. And they're underpinned by things such as creative thinking, relationship management. So a lot of the work actually is about working with the existing workforce because they've got really valuable expertise and skills uh, and qualifications that need to be retained but as I said, enhanced um, as, as the sector changes, as job roles changes, as, as job functions shift, we need to keep pace with that. However, we can't just rely on the skills we have. We do need to attract people into the sector. So there is definitely a need for uh, people to be in the, the wider UK economy with higher level skills. 70% uh, of roles in the financial services sector are highly skilled compared to 50% across the economy as a whole. So that demand for that higher level expertise is, is growing. It has been growing for many years in the sector and it's likely to grow further as certain functions and certain tasks are automated. Um, so there is a requirement for the UK economy as a whole to, to sort of move in that direction. And we're not the only sector that will be um, trying to recruit those people um, as they, they come out of education into the labour market. But it's also about thinking, reskilling people that, you know, long left education um, and actually how are their skills relevant as, as sectors change. So I think from a government point of view, it would be around that, that future piece, actually, where do the skills of the UK need to be um, and in, investing and, and making you know, clear plans and strategies to, to develop that talent for the future. We already know that there's going to be, you know, over, over a million, about 1.4 million people retiring in the next uh, few years. And that will not necessarily be replaced by people coming into the workforce so that the, the size of the workforce will not grow as it has done. Um, so there'll be more competition for talent. Yeah, I've, I've been reading a lot about that lately as well, that shrinking workforce available so it doesn't add to that that sort of pressure that we're already feeling and one area at the institute that we're obviously very interested in and, and upscaling our members on um, and that came through in your report was obviously ESG skills were identified as a future skill um, and the need for um, for in firms specifically monitoring climate and sustainability is an area in where there's a largest gap can you tell me a wee bit more though about how um, the commission has taken that forward across the the sector. No, absolutely. We've we've certainly been looking at um, green finance, green transition, climate change, those skills around the E of ESG, um, and really trying to understand what's required. Um, and we keep close to the data, keep close to our members' insights on this, and. 
there is creation of some new roles, um, but the volume of that is, is actually quite low for financial services because it's more about having a green lens on existing roles. Um, if you're assessing climate risk, you're pricing insurance or whatever you're doing, um, having a green element to that, being able to understand that is really important. So when we've asked our members, OK, what do you value? There's almost two things coming out. There's definitely a knowledge um, gap. So individuals having to just learn about the, the, the data on, on climate change. I'm, I'm not an expert myself, um, but actually, what does that mean? What do I need to understand? What does climate science tell me? So there is certainly a knowledge gap and that does need to go across all of the sector. Um, but when we actually say, OK, what skills do you need to enable that to happen in the business and that transition to be really um, beneficial and, and uh, impactful? Um, it is things like relationship management. Um, it is things like data analytics, because, again, those uh, capabilities underpin um, some of the, the processes um, that exist already in the industry, but will be uh, augmented and, and shifted by uh, climate change and, and green finance and, and the green transition. So we've found sort of those two things, that knowledge gap, but that also that capability gap is really important. Um, and we're keeping an eye on, on what that what that looks like in terms of developing those expertise but lots of firms have been investing in that knowledge space for a long time using courses um, from professional bodies such as yourselves um, but also other sources as well yeah I think I think you're absolutely you know I'd absolutely agree that it's uh, regardless of the knowledge element it's the skills that underpin them underneath and we're seeing that as well that the the need for those professional skills really to be used you know that be able to mm. think critically about multiple problems you know, and with the diverse data sets that they're getting that greater understanding of that. So, yeah, that's that's something that we definitely see at the Institute as well. Yeah. And I suppose the other big thing that's obviously been in the news recently and was highlighted in the report was the increase in use of artificial intelligence and particularly generative AI. Um, so where are we in terms of the skills and financial services firms at this moment in time? And what do you see are the opportunities and challenges um, on the table that, that they are facing? Yeah, huge, huge shifts. And I think if we're honest, no one really knows where the change is going to land. Um, lots and lots of theories. Um, but thinking about what we already know or what we already think is going to happen um, is obviously generative AI is it able to take out tasks and uh, functions from all roles um, and that is expected to land more on professional higher skilled roles um, I mean we've all probably tinkered around with chat GPT and it's quite handy sometimes when you you want to you know pull something together then you've got a basis to work from you can you can tinker with it I've used it myself and it, it does save time and that's where some of that change will land so some people predicting that um, analysts where you may be getting information for a client or uh, whatever that is you you've got lots of sources you can get that information together much much more quickly then what that means is do those analysts have more time to work on something else and what is that something else and what skills or knowledge do you need to do that something else so I think there's a whole kind of question mark there um, around sort of that capability um, I think what's different with this sort of shift of generative AI is that the the impact is going to land on that more professional level, not necessarily the the lower skilled roles. As you, you know, people kind of draw the comparison with the industrial revolution. Um, it really took out sort of blue collar roles, which I don't think is going to happen this time. Um, so we've still got to see where that's going. 
there's also the need to have high skilled um, expertise around AI to obviously manage it, to embed it within the firm. So there's there's obviously a, 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 a gap around that, but there's different skills within that in that space as well. Um, you know, I'm seeing increased demands for prompt engineering, how you ask the question, because that influences how you get the answer. So what prompts do you use to get that, which I think is really interesting. I think one of the things that isn't clear um, is what that then means for careers and progression and learning in the industry. And we've been talking to a lot of leaders in the industry over the last few months because we're doing a, a piece around um, what the case for change and investing in skills in the industry is really relooking really at what's the drivers here. So a lot of those leaders are sort of grappling with what the impact of AI will mean on the workforce and the tasks and the jobs that they have and where they need to invest. Um, one of the things that's coming out is will we not need so many people that are maybe more junior or entry level in the industry or in parts of the, the business, which may be the case. However, then for me, if we have fewer people coming in at that, that entry level point in the business, usually younger people, it doesn't always have to be young people, um, then what happens when you want to employ them on more value added purposeful work later on, have you built that pipeline of talent now, one of the interesting things that we've picked up from the data is that we actually, as a sector, are employing fewer younger people under 30 in the industry than previously. Um, not quite sure the reasons why. But if you then take that and just look through the future as those people progress in their careers, will we have enough people 30 and over in the future that have learnt you know, some of the things around regulation, customer journeys, just how the, how the industry works, how the business works? Will we have enough of those people in the future? So there's a few kind of words of caution around what the impact of AI will mean. It may have a, a quick impact on certain roles, but what's that longer term strategic change that we, that we then need to think about? Um, do we then need to have a much more purposeful career progression um, to get people through and up? Where, where some, one, one person said it to me, one CEO of a, of a bank said to me, where will we get the CEOs of the future from if we're not having that, that progression through? So I think that's a good point. And I know you mentioned there that the investment case you've got for the roadmap mm. that you're launching at the end of November. So where can people find out? Where can our listeners find out more about that? Yeah, so we're uh, launching at the end of November. We haven't issued the invite. That's coming out quite soon. Um, but we won't be talking about it just at that one event. We're going to be talking about it for um, the next year at least. Um, what it's meant to be, as I said, is is a real hard look at what are the drivers around skills is the sector doing enough of where it needs to be in the future i think some of the the data that we're seeing is quite um uh, gives us cause for concern um so the 13 future skills that we've identified we track whether or not there's an increase in supply of those skills or increase in demand and you know how that fluctuates and we are seeing an increase in supply it's great there's more firms doing work on skills and upskilling that's really really positive However, the gap is still, the demand is still growing quicker than the supply. So that gap is still getting bigger. It's not getting bigger as quick as it was before uh, we started doing some of this work, but it is still growing. So that's what the, the case for change and roadmap is, is about. Um, but do visit our website. Um, we will have the invite for that launch um, in London uh, up there in time. Um, but that's like I say, there'll be more opportunity to, to get involved and, and hear about that work maybe on a CBI podcast, I don't know. <laughs> Brilliant. And talking about that, so if you if you would like to hear more from Claire, um, you do have another webcast, another podcast come up with us uh, later this month on the role of professional bodies and 
fostering a learning culture across the financial services sector, which was, I know, another area that came through really strongly within the report and some of the challenges um, around that. But I'm afraid that's all for today. So I'd just like to thank Claire so much for her time and insight. And I look forward to our listeners joining us again for our next episode in the future. Goodbye. Thank you, Claire. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.